Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm going to get right into this message, if that's okay with you this morning. I'm going to get right into it. I'm excited for this message that God put on my heart this morning. It's something that I'm really passionate about and I believe with all my heart in. So we're going to jump right in to this message. And I want to start it out a little bit differently. I want to ask you guys a couple questions. You'll need to answer them out loud, but I want you to think about them throughout the message and kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. And those questions are, the first one I ask you, is do you know that God wants to use you? He wants to use each and every one of us. He has put gifts in each and every one of us to use to advance his purposes and advance his kingdom. So if you know that, but I want you to ask yourself now, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God wants to use you? And then the last question I have is, do your actions and do your responses each and every day line up with that, that you believe that God wants to use you? Well, what do I mean by that? Well, when you wake up in the morning, are you waking up and saying, God, whatever you have for me today, use me how you want? Or are you waking up and saying, this is going to be a terrible day. I don't want to go to work. It's, it's too early in the morning. I want to go back to sleep, whatever it may be. How are you setting your day? How is your response to the day going? Because we all have responses, right? Throughout the whole day, we respond to things. And I want to look at two situations in the Bible tonight for two people that God used. He used mightily. And I want to look at two situations that they had a chance to respond to. And we're going to be looking at this morning, we're going to be looking at Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist. And we're going to be looking at Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at a time that happened right before the Christmas story, which we're going to hear all about next weekend at our Christmas services. And I want to look at Zachariah and Mary, and, and the thing that's interesting to me is that I want to look at is, see, they were at two very different times in their life during this time we're going to look at. Zechariah was older. It doesn't say how old he was. Luke just says he was old. He was a priest as well. And then Mary was what people in those times, she, they would just say she was ordinary. She was younger, maybe between 14 and 16. It was clear that she was a teenager, though. And God used them both. And if there's something I've noticed, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are for God to use you. I tell the teenagers all the time, I say, you guys aren't just the church of tomorrow, you're the church of today. God will use you. You're never too old for God to use. God uses each and every one of us. It doesn't matter where you come from, he will use you. And the other thing I've noticed is no matter what age we are, you ever notice we all go through different types of emotions or feelings, we all experience fear, right? comes up in our lives. Maybe we all doubt. We all question ourselves. Sometimes it can actually be easier to have fear and doubt as we get older because we, so to say, like understand more. So when we're older and something comes up, we start actually thinking about everything. What could happen when you're young? You're just like, sure, let's do it. You ever notice that a kid, you say, let's do this, that maybe you wouldn't do, and they're just like, oh yeah, I'm ready for it. Like I ask a kid to play basketball. They'll run around all day. Somebody asked me to play basketball now. My first question is, is it full court or half court? We all experience these different feelings. And also, no matter what age we are, we all get different opportunities to respond to. Opportunities will come up in our lives. Situations will come up right in front of us that we will have to respond to, no matter how old we are. And what the response that we make is going to make all of the difference. That's why I want to be really creative, and I named the message, What is Your Response? Because there is so much power in a response. We need to realize that. If you think about it, 
We respond to so many things. When you get offered a job, you have to respond to that, right? You respond if you take the job or if you don't take the job. Maybe you ask somebody on a date. They have to respond to that. You ask somebody to marry you. They have to respond, right? You didn't just go up to them and say, we're getting married. This is the date, whether you like it or not. At least I hope not. They have to respond with a yes or a no. We get questions asked to us that we have to respond to. I've noticed, talking to married couples for a second, how you respond to one another, maybe it's the type of tone or the answer you give, can really set the course if you have a good day or not, maybe even a good week or not. I learned that very early on in marriage. When we first got married, Bianca and I, you know, you get married and everything is great. It is. It's like the best thing ever, but you're just like, this is amazing. And then you move in together. And you, I like to say, you learn each other's habits. It's a great time to, to get your patience and, and test that. And you might start noticing things like, I never knew that bothered me before, but it does now. <laughs> but honestly, the two of us, it was like smooth sailing when we first got married. We moved in together. There's nothing that really bothered one of us, except we did have one like major issue. And it was what I like to call a shoe problem. And what I mean by that is she is extremely organized, which I thank God for. And if you go into our closet now, it's just like two shoe racks perfectly lined up, top shelf, bottom shelf. She's like, my shoes are here, your shoes are here, and this is the order they go into. And I was the type of shoe person that just came in and just <laughs> kicked them off. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm, my mindset is just, I'm going to put them on again anyway. I'm not staying home all day. I got to go out. And when we first got married, you know, at first I would do that, and she's just very nicely babe, what, can you just pick your shoes up and put them in the closet? Oh, sure, honey, no problem, I'd get them. And a couple months go by, and now it starts to get to you a little bit. And I remember one day, it was about three months in, and I was in our little office area, which is to the side of our kitchen. And I don't even know why I did this, but I left my shoes in the middle of the kitchen floor. I don't even know why. And I just see her like, Matt, are you for real? And I, was, I didn't know what was going on. So I'm thinking, I'm, first I thought, like, what, there could have been tons of things. What did I do? And I'm like, uh, what? She's like, your shoes are in the middle of the kitchen. You know where they're supposed to go. Why are they in the middle of the kitchen? And it just, I just responded because I guess I was just like, oh, I can't take this. So I just responded. I was like, that's their new home. <laughs> Guys, you ever, you ever say something and the minute you say, you're just like, why? <laughs> Amen, right? You're just like, what? oh my gosh. And needless to say, it, wasn't a, it didn't go, end up being a great day. My response didn't trigger a great day. Now I've gotten a little bit better. The Lord's been working on me. And I put my shoes away, but when I don't, and I hear Matt, why are your shoes there? I just respond with, I was just going to grab those. Let me go get them. There's a lot of power in a response. And on a more serious note, I'll never forget this. I remember, clear as day, in October 2012. I was just saved just a couple of months now. And I remember I was in my room and I, I was reading through the word and I was praying. And, and I didn't really know what it was at first, but then I started to know and I felt God calling me into ministry. And I would immediately, I was just responding with fear and doubt. I was like, um, God, how could you use me? There's no way this could be happening. I was literally, I was two months away from getting my bachelor's degree and graduating college. Shoot, and I remember saying, like, I'm just about to graduate college. This doesn't make any sense. Now I look back and I'm like, who was I to tell God this doesn't make sense? Is there anything I noticed? We can only see here and now, right? We can literally just see here now, God sees the beginning from the end. It might not make sense to us, and it really doesn't have to. And I remember that, and I pushed it aside, because I had a lot of fear and doubt. That's how I was responding. So I kind of pushed it aside. I forgot about it. I stuffed it away. And then December came. I graduated college, and now January 2013 comes. And I'm again, I'm just going through the Word in my room, praying. And I felt that issue come back up. 
And I felt God speaking to me and calling me to ministry. And I, again, I was, God, there's no way this could be happening. This doesn't make sense to me. And I remember him saying, it doesn't need to make sense to you. So I said, Lord, I'm going to respond in faith, and I'm going to trust you. If this is going to happen, if this is your will for my life, let it be done. I'll start taking steps in the natural. I'm going to make sure I'm in the Word. I'm going to look for some online stuff, classes, whatever it may be. I'll try to do my part, Lord. I'm just going to trust you. And when I responded in that way of faith and trust, I'm telling you, doors immediately started opening. I saw a blessing in different areas. It was two months later in March that I started helping out with the youth ministry. Doors just opened because I was responding in faith. And I want to share a story that, because I think it will help somebody. I remember, and then that May, 2013, I went out to lunch with Pastor Joe. He brought me to, it was the PJ Sweeney's, but it was called Simcoe back then. And we were sitting down, eating lunch, and, and he said to me, he asked me, I think it was something along the lines like, Matt, like, what do you see God working in your life? Or what do you see doing? I said, Pastor Joe, I really feel like God is calling me into ministry, but I, I really don't, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know. And he said to me, he said, it's none of your business to know <laughs> the details. And it's true. That's God's business. But he said, which I wrote down, and I still have to this day, he said to me, he said, the most important thing is that you responded in obedience to that. We don't need to know all the details. If God is calling you to something, whether it's maybe a certain field or whatever it may be, you don't need to know all the details in the beginning because if you saw the whole plan laid out from the beginning, it wouldn't require faith, right? If you saw how it would start and how it would end, you wouldn't need faith. God has the details. We just need to trust him and obey. So, are you responding to what God has called you to? Because a lot of us doubt. All of us doubt. It's the truth. We doubt. And when I asked that question in the beginning, do you know that God wants to use you? He does. But when that question is asked, you will respond in faith or you will respond in doubt to that? Because he wants to use you. And I want to look at Zechariah now. Because I want to look at Zechariah and Mary and how they responded to a certain situation, each of them. And we're going to start with Zechariah and the Gospel of Luke. And Zechariah, just a little backstory, him and his wife Elizabeth, they were obedient and righteous people in God's eyes. Again, Zechariah was a priest. Elizabeth was also from a priestly line. They were a little bit older. We're going to pick up in Luke 1, chapter 5, and it says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations, they had no children because Elizabeth wasn't able to conceive and they both were very old. And we're going to see that, thank God, he doesn't just work in the natural, amen? Then in verse 8, it says, One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. I just want to point that out. God hears our prayers, church. Amen? He says, God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Talking about John the Baptist. Now, I put myself in Zechariah's shoes here for a second. Thinking about this, he's been praying for a son. Him and Elizabeth have been praying for a son, and it has to be a long time because typically in, in those days, you got married as a teenager, and it says they were older now. So it's probably been years since he's been praying for this, praying for this son to come, and now, boom, it's right in front of his face. So think about maybe a situation you're believing God for now or praying for, and then all of a sudden, it is right there. The angel is saying, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. 
I can't imagine what Zechariah is going through in this moment. And then the angel even starts to give him details about this. The angel goes on in verse 14. He says, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. The angel, Gabriel, is giving, John, uh, giving Zechariah I'm sorry, all these details about John. And now Zechariah has to respond to this. And we're going to look at his response. And it says, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. Zechariah, we see his first response was one of doubt. Maybe he thought it was too good to be true. We do that a lot. We think something's too good to be true. We probably miss out on so many blessings and miracles because of that, because we serve a good God. And he responds in doubt. He's looking at the natural of this situation, saying, how can this happen? I don't think so much that he was doubting what the angel was telling him was true, but I think he was doubting that it could happen to him and his wife, Elizabeth. Zechariah, he responded by looking at the circumstances first and what God could do next. And we need to be aware that we don't fall into these situations in life, that we look at the circumstances of our situation, maybe when God's called us to something or whatever it may be. We look at the circumstances in the natural before we look at what the word of God says and what God says, because the word of God will always stay true. And we're going to look at this in just a little bit. Because most things we go through, maybe God's called us to in the natural the circumstances might not line up right away. But God's word never fails and he has a plan. So we see Zechariah doubts. And if there's something I've learned is when we do the natural, God will do the supernatural. You notice that Zechariah did the natural. He prayed. But when that supernatural time was coming, he didn't believe right away. He doubted. And then we go on to see in verse 19, the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And they were, thank God. Now, John the Baptist came, but Zechariah was mute until he was, be able, until he was born. So Zechariah really didn't get to enjoy it as much as he could have, right? Because I think about this. He was just told, you're going to have a son, which you've been praying for, and he's also going to make way for the Lord Jesus to come. And he literally can't even go tell anybody about that. I would be going crazy if I knew that and I couldn't tell one person. I'd be like running into walls. And we know the story, though. John the Baptist was born. So we see he had a response of doubt. He was looking at the natural. He was looking at his circumstances. And now I want to look at Mary with a very similar situation. It's just a couple verses down. And it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, which was Zachariah's wife, John the Baptist's mother, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. The coolest thing about the story is you notice it's the same angel that went to John, goes to Mary, Gabriel. To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. So the angel's given Mary the details now. 
about her son. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. She wasn't married yet. She was a virgin. She's saying, how can this happen? Now, Mary's question, it was logical. It was a logical question. She asked pretty much the same question that Zachariah asked, but I believe his question was more so asked in just a skeptical unbelief where she asked it in a wonder-filled faith. Because if you go back to his response, when he was told that he would have a son, he was saying, he said, how can I be sure this will happen? So he's asking an angel, I need to be sure that this is going to happen. How can I be sure? Where Mary just says, how can this happen? So the angel goes and tells her how it's going to happen. The angel says, the reply, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And then one of the greatest verses in the Bible, the angel says, for the word of God will never fail. If we could just wrap our hearts around that fact, Oh my God, when situations come up and just knowing the word of God will never fail. And now Mary has a chance to respond. And she responds in verse 38, says, Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. We see two very similar situations. Mary responded though by looking at what God could do first and the circumstances second. Because the circumstances in the natural did not line up with this, right? But she responded knowing what God could do. And I want to encourage you in that because, see, we need to make sure we're not responding based off our circumstances or situations, but, but based on what the Word of God says about us. Because, see, here's circumstances right here. They can change. A circumstance can change in a second. So if you're just going by your circumstances, you can be moving around like this. Okay, one day I feel great. The next day I don't feel good. The next day I believe this will happen. The next day I don't. And you're going to go crazy. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have joy because your circumstances are always changing. But the word of God, on the other hand, it stands firm. It does not change. So when we're putting our response based on what this says about us, based on what this says about our situations, we can have peace because we're standing firm with the word says and it never changes. One of the main points I want to make tonight is that I've noticed is our lives are determined by our response. It really is true. Our lives are determined by how we respond to things. Because if you think about it, salvation is even determined by a response, right? It's promised to everybody. Jesus came for everyone. Salvation is promised to everyone. But you need to respond to that invitation and believe that while you're here on earth. You need to make that decision while you're here. So you actually need to respond to that. Throughout the day, Tons of things could happen. The Holy Spirit could be working on you throughout the day, maybe telling you, hey, text this person or call this person or apply for this job. Don't apply for this job. Take this way to work instead of that way. But we need to respond to that. He doesn't force that on us. He's a gentleman. We need to make those responses. That can happen each and every day. If we want to get really practical, maybe you're saying, hey, I want to save some money. I want to save some money for whatever it may be. And then you go to the store and the temptation comes to buy something that you want, that you don't need, but you want, how are you going to respond? Ask me how I know that feeling. But you have to respond. Or if you said the famous last words, no sugar for a month. Number one, don't kid yourself. No, I've done that, no sugar for a month, and somebody brings you a plate of cookies. I normally respond with like, thank you. Um, but you have to respond, right? 
the Bible, this Bible right here, the word of God is full of promises for our lives. They are all there, but we need to respond to them. For example, there's promises on your finances. God wants to bless your finances. He wants to supply all of your need. But you need to respond to the system that he put in place with the tithe and do that in faith and trust him to supply all your needs. There's promises in there that when you're going through fear and anxiety, there's promises of peace. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 tells us that when we cast our cares to God and we thank him for it, the peace of God will surround our hearts. But you need to respond and believe that with faith and not doubt that. There's promises for healing in the Bible. Healing is for everyone. But we need to respond to that and believe that. We need to believe that 1 Peter 2.24 is true. That Jesus took our wounds at the cross and we were healed 2,000 years ago at the cross. There's so many promises in this Bible, but we need to respond to them in faith. You know, sometimes when you're here on service, you know, you hear a message. Well, you have to respond to it when you leave and put it into action. Or maybe sometimes during worship when Pastor Joe or somebody else comes up and the Holy Spirit has given them something to minister to people and I just want to use, we'll use fear or anxiety as an example. And he comes up here and says, listen, the Holy Spirit wants me to minister to you if you have fear or anxiety. If that's you, come up here, let us minister to you. You need to respond to that when you're in your seats. When you're feeling that pounding, it's not that you had too much espresso or coffee in the morning. It's the Holy Spirit saying, get up there, but you need to respond. You need to come out in boldness and come up here. And then when somebody up here prays for you, you need to respond in faith with them for that prayer that had happened. And then most importantly, when you go back to your seats, you need to respond that it's done, it's finished. That night, you need to respond in faith that it happened. The next morning, you still need to believe it. I tell the teenagers all the time when that happens in one of our services and they come up and we're praying for them for whatever it may be. Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's fear, maybe it's depression. I said, when we pray for you, you cannot turn around and respond in I don't feel like it worked, I still feel depressed, or I still feel fear, you need to respond with, it's finished, it's settled based on the prayer and what the word says, and I have peace and joy in Jesus. There's tons of things we always have to respond to. When we look at Mary, Mary responded in faith. Even in the natural, when this could have looked absolutely impossible to her, she wasn't married yet, she was a virgin, but she responded in faith. She believed what the angel said. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And we know this came to pass. Jesus was born. Our Savior came. We're going to be celebrating that next weekend. I can't wait. Now, let me ask you something. What if Mary didn't believe? It would have affected us all, right? I mean, I'm sure Jesus still would have came. We don't know because that didn't happen, but I'm sure God will work everything out. But it needed to happen that way. Because he needed to come from a certain lineage. He needed to be born in a certain place. So thank God Mary responded in that obedience and faith to God. So the question I have for you is, are you going to make a difference this Christmas season? We're in the middle of it. Christmas is next weekend. Are you going to make a difference for the gospel? God will use you like we talked about in the beginning. But you need to respond to that. Mary, if you really look at it, what people would have looked at her in her time, she was the least likely candidate for this to happen, to bring the Savior into the world. She was a woman, she was uneducated, and she was a teenager. But if there's something I've noticed is God sees things in others, in us that others can't. God sees our heart. He sees things in us. The Bible will tell you exactly what he sees in you too. And a lot of us, we need to stop worrying about what other people think about us or what other people see about us and worry more about what God sees because so many of us get crumbled because we live our lives based on other people's approvals or what they think of us. We need to care about what the word of God says and respond to that, not respond to what other people say about you or think about you. He sees things in us others can't. He saw Mary's heart. He saw her incredible response of faith in verse 38. 
and showed her trust in God. Mary's faith was attached to an act of service and sacrifice to God, not as just a blessing to herself. She didn't do it just to bless herself. She responded to that because she wanted to serve God and be obedient, and she loved God. Because if think about it, in that time, having a baby out of wedlock would have brought shame to her. But she had that baby out of faith and obedience to God. We don't have to be amazing at preaching or evangelism or missions to be able to tell people about the love of Jesus. We just have to be willing to share our story and obey God. There is so much power in each and every one of your stories. Each of us have a story, and it's, they're all different. And thank God for that, because see, each of us have different personalities, different stories for certain reasons, because you might be able to reach somebody that I can't reach because I can't relate to that you can, and vice versa. I'm able to reach somebody that you can't. All of our stories are important. You need to be so excited about that because, see, I see it happening all the time and it breaks my heart is somebody has a great, God has great plans for them, but they're going, you know what? I wish I wasn't me and I wish I was this, I wish I was this person. Look at everything God's doing for them and everything God's doing in their life. And you're trying to live their life and you're wishing that you were them. But what about the amazing plan and that God has for your life? He has people lined up on all of our past, divine appointments with them that we need to meet and share the gospel with. And if we're too worried about wishing we were somebody else, who's going to reach those people on our path? All of them are equally important. We need to be faithful in obedience to what God has placed in front of us. Sharing our story, being obedient. Now, God will use anyone to get his purpose across as long as we have a willing and obedient heart towards him. And I said a little while ago that our lives are determined by our response. And something that I think is more even important is Others people, other people's lives are determined by our response. It's very sobering when you really think about it, but think about it. Most of the time when we make a decision or we respond to something, it doesn't just affect us. It could affect our family. It could affect our friends. It could affect a bunch of people. Mary's decision affected us all. Adam and Eve's choice affected us all. And then when Mary was obedient to have Jesus, that affected us all. One in a good way, one in a bad way, one in a good way. So what's going to be our response when God calls us to do something? Each and every one of us, what is going to be our response? Because see, every day, people are faced with staggering circumstances, and Christmas time is no exception. Marriages end, loved ones pass away, and devastating test results come back. And for many, the future can seem bleak, and their hearts are broken. There's people outside of these doors that their hearts are broken, and they don't know where to turn because they don't know who to look to. They feel like they have no hope. And a lot of the times when people are hurting, they feel like church isn't for them. It's just the truth. It's sad. But on the first Christmas, on the first Christmas, those who were frightened and in desperate need of good news and great joy, they were addressed directly. When the angel came, in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, the angel responded to these people. He said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And that Savior is for everyone. And there's people that need to hear that. So this Christmas, we all, each and every one of us, have an opportunity to introduce those who are hurting to the same Savior. We can invite people to a place where they can meet the God who acknowledges their greatest fears, 
seized their deepest longings and sent his son to save each and every one of us. Whether they come out of to church out of curiosity, maybe they're coming because they're hurting, maybe they're in desperation of a savior, it's your, it could be your invitation that leads them to meet Jesus, to meet the savior that came for them. I want to share a story as we close, going back to how our responses can affect other people's lives. In August 2012, um, I didn't know what was going on with my life. I didn't know Jesus yet. I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't even know really Christian churches existed. I didn't know really much about Christianity at all. And I was going down a bad path. I was just partying, drinking. I felt like I had no, so much purpose for my life. Really didn't feel too much hope. And my uncle asked me if I can come over that night to help take care of him. And I said, sure, I'll come. And he started talking to me about Jesus. And I didn't push it off. I was open to it, but I was kind of like, eh. So he's telling me about Jesus, telling me about his love. He, he gave me a Bible. We read a couple verses together, and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know so much if this is for me. And he said to me, he said, will you at least come to church with me this weekend? What did he do? He gave me a chance to respond to an invitation. And I said to him, I said, okay, I'll, I'll come. I'll at least come. So that weekend, Sunday, August 26th, 2012, it was the 11 a.m. service at the time. I walked through these same doors, and I sat in the last row, because when you come for the first time, you know, you're like, hopefully nobody will see me. <laughs> and I sat back there, and I heard the gospel preached, and I responded. I had to make a response, and I responded to the gospel, and I received Jesus into my life. And my eternal destination was changed based on his invitation and giving me a chance to respond. But it didn't just affect me. It affected a lot of my family because now I was able to share the gospel with my family and my friends. I was able to share the gospel with my mother who received Jesus into her life and then about a year and a half later ended up passing away to be home with God. I was able to share the gospel with my dad who finally received the gospel about a month before he passed. And I was able to talk to other friends about the gospel who have received Jesus and family members as well. But his invitation was just to me, but he didn't know how many people it would affect. Because I always think back to myself, it needed to happen in that time. I did not know my mom was going to get sick a year later and then pass away. She needed to hear the gospel. And I thank God I responded when I didn't. I didn't put it off and say, I'll just wait a few years. I don't even want to think about that. But his invitation to give me a chance to respond changed so much of my family forever, our eternal destinations. Next weekend, we have the chance to change the course for someone's life, each and every one of us. So I want to make a challenge to you. When you're grabbing your Christmas tickets after service, grab an extra one. Give somebody a chance to respond. Invite somebody to church. Don't be worried about if they're going to say no, if they're going to say yes, just give them a chance to respond. You could be changing the course of their whole family for all you know. We might not even know what happens on this side of heaven. But give them a chance to respond. The Great Commission is for each and every one of us to make disciples of all nations, to bring the gospel to every single person. What's going to matter in heaven is how many people we bring with us. And if we love people, we need to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. So I want to challenge you that. Grab an extra ticket. Ask God, and we're going to pray for that in just a few minutes, to show you who to invite. Give them a chance to respond. But now I want to talk to you. If you're here, and maybe this Savior that you've heard, this is the first time you've heard about this Jesus, and you want to make a response, and you're saying, 
I want Jesus as my Savior. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, that when we believe in our heart that Jesus is, he went to the cross for our sins, he died for our sins, he rose from the dead. When we believe that, confess that with our mouth, it says we are saved. Our eternal destinations are, are completely changed. We're going to be in heaven forever with God. So if you've heard about this Jesus for the first time, I want to give you a chance to respond. So with all eyes shut and heads bowed, if you're saying this morning, I want to receive Jesus into my heart as my Savior, if that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to say this prayer together so nobody's singled out. So to say this prayer with me, Father God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to go to the cross for my sins. Jesus, you defeated death. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. I am a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Church, if you said that, there were some hands. Yeah, it's something to celebrate. This is the beginning of your journey. Please, in just a few minutes when we're dismissed, don't just leave these doors. Come up here. We want to pray with you. We want to give you a Bible, answer any questions that you may have, and give you the, any resources that you need. But before we leave this morning, I want to pray about one more thing. I want to pray for these Christmas services. I'm going to pray for the people that you're going to invite, that their hearts are going to be open. So join me in your heart as I pray this. Father, we thank you for this opportunity next weekend that we have with these Christmas services to minister the gospel, to show people the love of Jesus, Father. We thank you, Father. I pray for hearts to be softened, hearts to be open, blinders to fall off the eyes, Father, of those who are coming to hear the gospel, Lord God. We thank you that you're drawing them in, but I pray for each person in here, Father, that you put somebody specifically on their hearts that they can go and share the gospel with, invite them to service, and give that person a chance to respond, Father. I thank you, and I pray for boldness for all of us that we will respond to this challenge, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the great commission that you have given us, Lord, and we're just going to be faithful and obedient towards that, Father. We thank you for these services, Lord. We thank you for services filled with joy and peace and love, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.